We learned a lot at an electric first day of training camp for the Chargers, including that star safety Derwin James will not be practicing fully until he gets his new contract signed. And we got our first look at who the initial starters are for the Chargers as they open up camp. You are locked on Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons. We're headed into our fifth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What a first day at training camp. And thank you guys for making us your first listen today. To make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. But what a day, David. Me and you took Chargers training camp by storm on day one. It was great to get out there and get out there and see some football. Finally, the first step back towards real meaningful football. And the first thing we saw is, hey, Derwin James is in walkthroughs, but he hasn't done anything else at practice. And we found out from Brandon Staley that is because of the contract issue. But seems like everything still seems amenable between the two sides. But we did get our first look at who CB3 is right in the Chargers defense. Kyle Van Noy playing a ton of linebacker and on the offset offensive side, who was starting at right tackle and the running back depth chart seems like one of the players from last year has moved down already on the depth chart while another has stayed where he is and is going to try to fight off rookie Isaiah Spiller for the job. We'll also talk about some of our favorite moments and get into Brandon Staley's press conference talking about a Kenneth Murray injury update. Not great there, but it starts, David, with Derwin James, and it would have made sense for him to be missing because of the shoulder injury, the shoulder surgery, I should say, that we knew he's coming back from. But turns out from Brandon Staley, it is a contract situation, and he is holding in in some way, right? Holding out, but still was out there in walkthroughs, but he's not going to do anything full speed until he can get that contract signed. I mean, you got to understand it. I mean, this is a business, right? Derwin James is playing football, right? It is a kid's game, but at this level, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. And unfortunately, with Derwin James's injury history, you got to understand why he is not going to step foot on that football field until he has a large and very lucrative to the tune of the highest paid safety in the NFL contract to make sure that when he is back on that field, that's no longer an issue, and he can focus on helping the Chargers win a championship. Exactly. He's such a pivotal leader for the team. He's such a pivotal player. And I think the nice thing about this situation is as long as it gets resolved soon, right, in the next few days, the next couple of weeks, you're not really worried that he's going to fall behind. He's obviously a very cerebral player already, but he has a year of experience in Staley's defense, and he doesn't have to play catch-up kind of like he did going into last season. So no matter when he steps into camp, because we all think that the deal is going to get done, all reports of the deal is going to get done, sucks that he has to miss some time early. It would have been nice to see that new collection of defensive players all together, even without the pads on, it would have been cool to see. But I'm not worried about it because I think he should be able to hit the ground pretty seamlessly. Brandon Staley said, we're just working through the process right now. We're going to let it take shape. And when it does, he'll be out there playing. So it's also good to just know he is 100% and ready to go 
when the time is right, when he does and sign. And there's no healthy. ill will on either side. It seems Doesn't like, seem like it, both yeah. sides are working towards getting a deal done. They're going to get it done here probably pretty soon. That's very, very good news. We don't want any kind of distractions, especially with someone as important as Derwin James. The, one of the heart and souls of the team, maybe the guy in, in that regard. But we also did get to see what the first string defense looked like at training camp for the first time. And obviously everything has to be kept in perspective, right? This is how things stand right now. I know a lot of people are pointing out, Hey, last year, Brandon Faison was starting over Asante Samuel jr. Totally true. But it at least gives you a measuring stick of, okay, who has the leg up in this situation as we sit here right now before any real moving and shaking can happen. And the base defense for the chargers was Derwin Nas, Asante Samuel jr. And JC Jackson, Kyle Van Noy and Drew Tranquil as linebackers one and two. And the defensive line was a little bit weird in this situation. It was Joey Bosa, Morgan Fox, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, and Jerry Tillery, and Chris Rump. I don't know why Khalil Mack wasn't out there for the walkthroughs. He was out there in the 11-on-11 drills. That was just kind of weird. The more important, though, formation for the Chargers defensively is 4-2-5. That's what they're in most of the time. That's when you have a nickel on the field. And we saw what the cornerback situation was. And it's kind of as we talked about it in the defensive show yesterday. How we thought it would probably play out was Michael Davis as CB4 coming off the bench with Asante Samuel Jr. on the outside, J.C. Jackson on the outside, Bryce Callahan in the slot. Another Kyle Van Noy siding at middle linebacker with Drew Tranquil, linebackers one and two, especially with the Kenneth Murray stuff we're going to get into. And then in the on the defensive line, it was Joey Bosa, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, and Chris Rump. So not exactly how we saw it playing out on both of those, but at least as far as that sub package, that I think is exactly how we would have said it would be. Yeah, yeah, for the corners for sure. I mean, I, I think we we knew what we were going to get into. We knew kind of what the what the the rotation was going to look like. J.C. Jackson was going to be on one side. Asante Samuel Jr. was going to be on the other side, and Bryce Callahan was going to start in the slot. I think that's probably the best combination of starters at corner that the chargers have right now. So it makes a lot of sense now for Michael Davis, you know, he's going to have to earn his playing time. He's going to have to fight to get on the football field. And it seems like that's pretty clear as of right now. And as far as the linebacker position is concerned here, I think, you know, with Kenneth Murray out for, you know, we don't know how long at this point in time, Kyle Van Noy is the logical choice to be there at middle linebacker with his experience there next to drew tranquil, uh, I think, you know, he's a very good coverage linebacker. I think he would fit really well. It, it gives you a level of comfort knowing that you have a guy like Kyle Van Noy, a veteran leader who has played middle linebacker and played edge for you. A guy that brings a lot of versatility, definitely brings you some comfort knowing that you have that guy in the building. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he's playing more linebacker than we thought he would right so far early on in camp. And it is a nice luxury to have, I think. Kyle Van Noy, Drew Tranquil sounds better than, you know, Drew Tranquil, Troy Reader. It does make sense to me that Drew Tranquil is linebacker one at this point. I mean, yeah. he should be, and he has been at least early on at camp. It should be his job to lose. I, I think he's probably, if you're not counting Kyle Van Noy, their most complete linebacker at this point. I think the one that has the highest ceiling out of those guys. But it was good to see, you know, hey, maybe it isn't as dire at linebacker. But then I think you go, okay, well, then what is the depth really like at edge rusher, right? Because Cleo Mack isn't out there on mockers, and all of a sudden it's Joey Bosa and Chris Rump, which would be a, a you know recipe for disaster probably on a long-term you know level if yeah. that was the case. But it's the first day of training camp, so we're keeping everything in perspective. I, One I will thing, say, I will ahead. say before we move on here, I do like the way Chris Rump looked this year. At least when we when we saw him at training camp, 
I think that he definitely put on some good weight. He looks a little bit more the part. Looks like he might be able to stand up on the outside a little bit more against the run. And we want him to get a little bit bigger without sacrificing that slipperiness that makes him so effective as an edge rusher. I feel like he's in a better position. And, you know, something we were talking about is maybe this transformation, this body composition transformation wasn't a one-year one year task. Yeah, I mean, I still think you could probably fill out a little bit more. I think with something like that, as far as size and things, you have to wait until the pads come on because the biggest thing yeah. with Chris Rump is, hey, can you hold up on the edge at the NFL level? I think the yeah. last note here on just the first depth chart we saw defensively was that Alohi Gilman was safety three, the first safety off the bench when Nazir Adderley came off, when it was just two guys, not including Derwin James, right, or Nazir Adderley, Alohi Gilman was that next guy. So JT yeah. Woods, as expected, is going to have to fight for that spot. But that is kind of, you know, as we saw it going in. Mark Webb was out there. It's hard to see how he fits into the situation through one day. But, hey, David Drogmeyer is going to be out there tomorrow as well. So maybe he can see how some of that is progressing. JT Woods did get out there. He was with the rookies. We did get to see some of the rookies out there today, getting in in second and third team reps, obviously with no pads on. And they, of course, were practicing on the farther field away. But there were some offensive things that we had to wait and see, David, specifically who's going to play right tackle. Where does Isaiah Spiller line up in this running back jet chart to start camp? We got some of those answers at day one, so we're going to do that. But it's just going to be... It's all coming together, right, for the Chargers right now. And it was nice to see all these pieces in place in day one of training camp. Most of these defenders out there, they're going to make up hopefully a much better Chargers defense. But the one protein bar that brings it all together is Built Bar. And I'm glad that I get to talk about this Built Bar because I actually got a package a while ago and I haven't been able to talk about them because I did not see them on the website. But it's the Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. And that is something that you guys have to get on right now. I've always loved cookie dough. I mean, cookie dough flavor for ice cream, it's always been an elite thing. And now you can get it and get it in a bar that's only 160 calories that's packed with 15 grams of protein. And one of the things I think is funny is I sleepwalk sometimes, sleep eat. And I used to always go like pop tarts. It would always be something sweet. I stopped buying sweet stuff. Now it's Built Bars. Built Bars literally taste so good that in my sleep, I'm thinking I'm eating a candy bar when I'm bringing out a cookie dough chunk puff Built Bar. They are so good. They will fit on your diet. And when you're getting something that's cookie dough flavored and it fits on your diet, you grab it. You grab as many as you can and you run because those things aren't supposed to exist in the wild. But right now, you can even save some money on Built Bars in that cookie dough chunk puff. If you go to Built.com, you can use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, well, we have more notes and fun stuff from training camp day one. It was fun to get out there. And thank you to everyone who came up, you know, and said hi and, and said you loved the show and stuff. That was really cool. Definitely the most overwhelming support that we've had at training camp and also David's first time, you know, in the last few years going to Chargers training camp. So he got the, the red carpet rolled out for him for sure. But, David, on the offensive side of things, I mean, I don't know if we're super surprised how things kind of rolled out when we saw the first two jet or the first depth charts, you know, first and second string come out for this first day of charger training camp. But the biggest question was, okay, who's going to get the first in most reps at right tackle. And I think kind of as expected, it's storm Norton right now, but it's been a pretty equal rotation. Yeah, for sure. I, I think storm Norton was the starter last year for the chargers. So, I mean, he is the incumbent, you know, so that role has to be taken from him. Trey Pipkins has to take that role. But when we're when we're looking at this rotation, yeah, Storm Norton was the first guy on the football field with the starters, but 
Trey Pipkins was out there just as much as Storm Norton was. And I think that's probably what we are going to see going forward throughout training camp with this battle. They want to make sure that they can see exactly what these guys are going to bring to the table every single day, Daniel. And when asked about it, Brandon Staley said, this is what it's going to take to win that position, basically. Consistency and performance. I think being a complete tackle in the running game and the passing game, we're going to get a very accurate evaluation from them by who they have to block every single day. Obviously, throughout preseason games, we're going to have a lot of opportunity to evaluate those guys. But that's kind of what we said all along. I mean, the nice thing about a tackle competition is you get to throw Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack at them, and that could go one of two ways. Like, you're either going to find out, hey, that was, you know, some nice reps against an elite player. It's like, oh, Uh-oh. no, is this guy bad, or is it just because you we got, got a you problem? Know, Houston, we got a problem. Yeah, right? two yeah. top ten edge rushers, and, you know, are just going to get wins against pretty much any tackle <laughs> in the league. So that can be a little bit tough. But I nothing to get too, you know, up in arms about right now. It's day one of training camp, but playing out – kind of like we thought it would. So at least to start things out, it's going to be Storm Norton who gets that leg up as the incumbent starter. Yeah. Doesn't mean much as we see it right now. Both these guys have a long way to go before they can secure that job. But the running back position, David, obviously everyone wants to know where is Isaiah Spiller? Where does he rank in the thick of things here? And I think we saw on day one of training camp, it seemed like a pretty clear pecking order. And these were really the only guys who got snaps. It was number one, Austin Eckler, obviously. Number two, number 25, Josh Kelly, because J.C. Jackson came in and stole his, his uh, number. And then number three, Isaiah Spiller. And that's kind of how it played out for most of the day. I was surprised how many reps Josh Kelly got. But another thing that kind of makes sense, it did seem a little surprising how little we saw Larry Roundtree, though. Yeah, that was a little bit strange. That was a little bit strange. I did not see him get nearly as many reps as all of those other guys, especially Josh Kelly. I, I thought that, you know, with Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree, they were both in kind of the same boat for me last year. They didn't really perform with the opportunities that they were given. So you would figure that they would get an equal share, but that is was not the case on day one of training camp. Definitely was Josh Kelly getting the lion's share of those those reps behind Austin Eckler, and then it was the rookie Isaiah Spiller getting the third team reps. Yep. And, you know, if you look at it logically, hey, Isaiah Spiller was a draft pick. So, you know, right now he doesn't have a spot on the team. I think we feel like he is probably in line to be the RB2, but as it stands, at least for the Chargers, how they have it set up is you want that RB2 spot, you're going to have to come in and take that RB2 spot away from josh kelly yeah and staley said hey it's open competition behind austin Eckler. you know somebody's gonna have to go out there and win it but this was just interesting to see who was gonna get the most cracks to go out there and win it i mean it would have been very hard for larry roundtree to go out there and win the rb2 spot today just because he wasn't out there very much but it was also josh kelly getting a lot of reps with the first team offense too right and getting in with that group was a little bit surprising to see how much he got there and I could be totally wrong, but I thought he looked like he was in great shape. I mean, he looked different to me body composition-wise. He looked quick out there, and everyone can, you know, when there's no pads on stuff. But it looked like he had made some improvements in the offseason. He looked like a new and improved player. And we know he's torn up a training camp before. So there's not, yeah. it's not out of the question he can come out here and be one of the more impressive guys, even after struggling his first couple seasons. I mean, it's still hard to put any stock in that for real at this point. But out of the guys that we were talking about fighting for that last position, right now it seems like seems like clearly seems like Josh Kelly's stock up, Larry Roundtree stock down, 
And we also might have made eye contact today when I was standing in the bleachers. We were making eye contact for a long time. And I was like, do you hear me? I say something bad about it. I don't know what's going on here, but I was a little bit scared because even though he had the biggest smile, there was something else in there. But He was definitely get... staring you down. No question. Okay. No yeah. Question. I mean, that that's what I like looked behind me at one point. I was like, like me? He was like signing autographs for kids and stuff, but we had a long extended eye contact for whatever reason but david it was just good to be out there right and i mean oh, there's yes. a, we're not going to be able to get to every little note that we took away from this the first day and only so much happens when you're running right. around with no pads and i'll be there next week when the pads come on you'll be there tomorrow to see how things are progressing but what were yeah. some of your favorite moments just from getting to go up there and you know kind of having that day well i mean first of all it's just great to be among other Charger fans. It's just the environment and there was, a lot. was awesome. And yeah, there was a lot of people. If, if you don't believe me, check out my social media. Check out my Twitter account, AdroTalkSD. Took plenty of pictures and videos. You can see it. There were hundreds and hundreds of people at Chargers training camp watching the first day of practice, which was fantastic. By 8 a.m. too. Yeah, at 8 a.m. They were packed. <laughs> but it was really awesome. Honestly, meeting a lot of you guys was really, really cool moment for me. Just having people saying that they appreciate what we do on the show. That's was really awesome. But on the field, one play stuck out to me and it was like a little screen pass to Austin Eckler. I was watching him. Was, the first thing is, dang, that guy is quick. He is really, really fast. But also this guy disappears. Like he is so low to the ground. He gets so low to the ground. He's already a small guy, but he gets so low to the ground. He hides behind those offensive linemen. And before you know it, boom, he is gone. He just takes off that. I mean, that's gotta be one of the reasons that why he is so dangerous, why the defenders have such a hard time. Yeah. He's a load. I mean, it's hard to take him down for a smaller man, but he is really, really quick and he knows how to use his size to his advantage. 100%. 100%. Darren Sproles was a lot like that, too. Like, you just, it was so hard to see him behind the behemoth yep. offensive lineman, right? Yeah. You can, by the time you see him, he's already gone, right? Yeah, That's what we were saying late. today. Like, <laughs> hey, how does anyone tackle this dude? It doesn't exactly. make sense. Some of my favorite moments, I mean, Josh Palmer just looking huge, you know, second year in a row where it just looks like he's the only dude out there wearing shoulder pads. He's about to get the Chargers fined for a padded practice because he's <laughs> someone's going to think he's out there wearing shoulder pads because he's just so big and shoulders are crazy. Yes. Uh, Joe, got, I mean, uh, Justin Herbert, it was nice just being out there, still has a laser arm. <laughs> you made some big plays Can confirm. throughout the Can day, confirm. and it was just nice to see that dude zip it around He looks bigger, too. Field. He looks bigger. He looks uh, a little bit bigger this year. That's dude. the thing. is like the Eckler thing with the lineman and all that stuff. Like, you get a different perspective when you're up close, and you realize, oh, my God, these dudes are huge. Justin Herbert, the main one out of that, because he is so and much Trey bigger Pipkins than you would too. get. Trey Pipkins is gigantic. Good call. Yeah. Yeah, Trey Pipkins, it's easy wow. to forget how huge that dude is. He's a, a large a physical human. presence, I would say, to say the least. I mean, he's a giant walking house. Xander Horvath had a couple of plays in practice. Welcome but to was the just, gun show. <laughs> that dude's guns My were goodness. popping out of that practice jersey. It was nuts looking shredded. And he had a sweet mustache, too. That was cool to see. I mean, he was rocking that thing, signing autographs, and he's definitely going to be a fan favorite. The last one here, David, to touch on, Gerald Everett lining up in the backfield. That was yes. one of the favorite things I saw. It was weird seeing number seven as a tight end out there Very. and you see like, how much bigger <laughs> Mike Williams is than him, yes. uh, at least height-wise. But right. it was cool to see that because it was just like, okay, so they're just going to find ways to get the ball in this dude's hands, and that's not something – Maybe they did a little bit with Steven Anderson, but it was not something they were doing with tight end one Jared Cook last year. No, it wasn't. And we saw it with G- Gerald Everett a lot with his when in, in his game film. 
He's in done Seattle. That. Yeah. Yeah. In Seattle, he's done that before. And, you know, with his just yards after catchability, the way he plays the tight end position, how physical he is anytime you can get him to football and you can get creative with it and kind of change things, change what they've seen before and give them, you know, introduce some new wrinkles. I love it. I'm all for it. Yeah, and I mean, he's just going to bring a different dimension. Herbert talked about it a little bit, just having somebody that's that athletic and just kind of starting to get on the same page with him as a route runner, right? And Because that's going to be such a big, important part of it. It seems like, I mean, him and Hunter Henry, Herbert and Henry, had an okay connection. There were still a lot of misses there, uncharacteristic yeah. misses. Him and Jared Cook, at some points, looked like they were on the same page. Never really, I think, fully got there. And there was a couple of pick sixes to show that, I think. Yep. And then, I mean, now this is a third tight end, maybe... Hopefully it can gel a little bit better because then you have, I think, a trio of tight ends you feel pretty good about if the Gerald Everett signing works out the way that we think it can, which is him being poised for easily his best season ever in the NFL. But we did get to hear from Brandon Staley, who I think got the third biggest pop from the crowd when he walked up to the autograph line. I mean, as much as everyone loves these players, it's crazy to see Anthony Wynn's not getting that ovation, right? Uh-huh. Mike McCoy is not getting that ovation. Ever. Like, he was a true celebrity after a non-playoff season in one year. This dude just carries that energy, and he got to talk about a lot of what happened at practice, including an update on Kenneth Murray, who may not even be ready to start by the regular season. We're going to get into that right after this. Anytime that Brandon Staley gets on the microphone, you can feel sure that I'm somewhere listening because, I mean, I've heard a lot of coach speak, me and David heard, you know, at least four or five years of it before Brandon Staley showed up and gave us a press conference we actually enjoyed listening to. Yes. And he got up there and, I mean, was asked a huge variety of questions. We won't get into all of it. And we talked about a little bit what he had to say about the running back situation and the right tackle and some of the guys on the defense. But when he was talking about one defender specifically, it wasn't great news, David, and it was about Kenneth Murray. And this has been a saga because he tried to heal naturally. It didn't heal the way they wanted it to in the offseason. So we got a late surgery. There was no timetable, but there was a first, hey, we're hoping to get him back for training camp. Well, training camp's here. That deadline has come and gone. Yeah. Now Brandon Staley is saying this, which is funny in some sense, but he's saying... <laughs> I'm not going to put a timeline on it. I just think that he will be practicing at some point in the next four to six weeks. So not going to put a timeline on it, but then I'm going to immediately put a timeline on it right after that. And just because you're practicing doesn't mean that you're playing, right? It doesn't mean that he'll be ready to play in four to six weeks. But, David, the season's six weeks away. Like, that that's regular season. That's the start of the regular season here. And it's just like this saga continues. And then even when asked, you know, Brandon Staley was asked about, Hey, like, what does this kind of mean for how he fits in with the team? And if he can get his starting spot back, he was just like, we're going to have to see how it goes basically. Right. you know, and so that was just kind of like not a huge vote of confidence for him, but it just sucks, David, that we're sitting here again, wondering if we're going to see any part of a 100% version of Kenneth Murray in year three and still have so many questions to answer. It's the absolute worst possible thing that could have happened. And I feel for him too, man. I feel terrible for Kenneth Murray. It's all. Yeah. Just as Kenneth Murray, the person like this sucks. I mean, this is his job. This is, was, was his life, his dream to play in the NFL. And he has had one of the most tumultuous, rocky starts to a career that we have seen here in recent memory. But we have seen examples of players deal with a lot of injuries. Keenan Allen and then come out of that and perform and be available and be a very, very good football player. I'm not saying 
that Kenneth Murray is going to do that. But Kenneth I'm Murray, just saying he can recover from these injuries and he can come back and be a good football player. It's just it's horrible to miss yeah. training camp. You miss that time. You, it's just so invaluable right now before the season. Kenneth Murray needs to get on the field. So this four to six week timeline, this is just, like I said, horrible news for Kenneth Murray. And, and like, the thing is, is like, he's, I think he's only missed 10 games in his career, right? It's just, you question you've ever seen the healthiest version of him. He was coming out of, you know, college with an injury and had to come back from that in his first training camp, got back, had a hundred tackles, but, wasn't the best season. It's hard to come into the NFL as a linebacker, especially as a rookie in particular. Second year, it's like, okay, then he has an ankle injury right before the season starts in a new defense, really struggles there. And now it's just like, how can you, what can you expect from him at this point? Like you're hoping he gets back by the regular season. Just if I think just the depth of that position, if they need to use Kyle Van Noya edge more, right? For whatever reason, you hope that's still more of an option because you have a guy like Kenneth Murray. But like to think at this point, he's going to come back and get his starting back, starting spot back this season. I mean, and how I'm does starting this affect just, the roster composition too? I mean, th- this like could who, how many linebackers how, they keep? Yeah, yeah, this could change how they construct their 53 man roster. It, it is interesting, and we'll see how it plays out. You know, because it's like if he's not ready by week one, is he going IR? Does he go on the PUP list and has to miss like six weeks? We'll see. It just it's just a bad start. You feel kind of good about Drew Tranquil and Kyle Van Noy, but you want it's different to lose it than to just feel like you never really had a shot because your body kind of let you down yeah. in that sense. But when Brandon Staley's at the podium, you know he's always going to get asked something to do with fourth down because he is fourth in Staley, and that is what he's known for even after one season because he just had one of the most prolific fourth down conversion seasons that the NFL has ever seen. And now he's going into year two. And he was asked how much the spreadsheet in EPA will play in his fourth down decisions. I think he got brought up a good point. He says all those decisions are about feel. All of them are. They're about mindset. There's math. That's also part of it. But it's more mindset than it is math. I can assure you that. It's the way that we want to play as a team. I think we're going to try and get better at it as we go. And he also said it's a different team now. So to think they're just going to do the same thing as last year would be wrong because it is a new team. But he is saying, David, hey, I'm not just a slave to the numbers, right? Like, right. it is about the numbers and, and being favorable, but it also has a lot to do with how the game's playing out and my faith in my superstar quarterback. Yeah, and I think that that's going to continue. I mean, they said that that's part of the identity of who they are and how they want to play football, the brand of football that they want to be known for, an exciting brand, a brand yeah. where you trust your best players and you give them as many opportunities to convert as you possibly can. But also, I think there might be different decisions made this year with a defense that you probably feel a little bit better about this <laughs> year rather than the one that you had last year. So that could impact the decisions. But Brandon Staley did say, hey, we're going to see how it goes. I'm going to see how I feel in those situations, and I'm going to continue to use the numbers and my intuition to make these decisions. One, I think as much as, like, I think it's more just that Staley's got ended up taking him where the numbers would have liked him to go anyways, right? Because a lot of those decisions were coming, okay, how do we get back into this game? This game is slipping away from us. The other team's up two touchdowns. Am I going to punt it back to them, or am I going to try to make it a game right here and cut it to yeah. a one-score possession? It was a lot of stuff like that, right? So I definitely know it was, Browns definitely game. was was some feel to it for sure. I mean, there's multiple games you can go and pick on. And 
I think at the end of the day, yeah, he's just going to probably want to keep putting the ball in his superstar quarterback's hands. But I don't think he trusted the defense very much last year. And I also don't think he trusted the punting unit or the special teams very much last year either. So it's like punting was not that appetizing for Brandon Staley when he knows, hey, I can give it to Justin Herbert or I can, you know, gain 40 yards of field position, right? Or bottom of the, the league is. special teams, bottom of the league defense or top five offense. Hmm. Right. I'm going to go with my top five offense every sure. single time. Yeah, and then just also just, hey, the game on the line, are you going to hold your breath and hope your defense gets a stop? Or are you going to let Justin Herbert go out there and try to win you the game? And we've seen it both ways. Give me Brandon Staley every time and from the decision-making standpoint. I want to do who's yes. going to go for it. I can live or die with whether or not the Chargers can get it done on fourth down, you know. And I just think that they'll probably be in a lot less dire situations, hopefully, this year yes. from being a much more complete team. But one of the much more complete units this year, I think, is the defensive line group. And he talked a little bit about the competition there. He said a lot of competition and guys competing for different roles, which they do, right? Pass rushing guys, run stuffing guys, stuff like that. We normally have five active on game day, five or six. And that's important. We'll talk about that in a second. Those spots are going to be important in competing for roles and what exactly that looks like. We have four to six weeks to figure it out. I think we do have some good pieces that can play some unique roles for us, but that's going to take shape as we go. And it's going to be about consistency and sustaining that consistency and so on and so forth. But it was interesting that he said five or six, right, David? Because last year they kept five on the opening 53-man roster. So as much as I agree with him, I think it's going to be a great competition in the defensive line group. Joe Gaziano tipped a pass from Easton Stick and intercepted it, returned it back for a touchdown. Big man touchdown. Everybody give that a round of applause. Who doesn't Let's love go. to see a, a giant defensive lineman rumbling with a convoy of defenders into the end zone and spiking it, right? I mean, that was awesome. The defense, there was so much energy out there. They went the crazy team. after that play. But at the same time, like, you also can't take away much from a defensive lineman when nobody's out there wearing any pads. Right. Yeah. Obviously, you, you take it with a grain of salt, and, and nothing's going to be determined today. But that was a fun play. Oh, it yeah. Really fun brought moment. the energy. Everyone definitely loved it. They really fed off of that moment. But yeah, this defensive line competition, that back end, that last spot, because I mean, it really seems like four or five of those spots are already pretty much locked up. So there's one, one spot left, one spot for somebody to come into this training camp and take that spot on the 53-man roster, that's probably going to be one of the more intense battles that we watch all throughout training camp. Yeah, absolutely. And like I've said before, good problems to have when when yes. the unit was as suspect as it was last year. But like Joe Gaziano, right? I mean, he's a guy that we haven't even been talking about if they keep six as much, right? We have mentioned him, but like it's going to be such a tough competition. And then you have probably like the greatest player of all time, Forrest Merrow out there just trying to fight all the biases and then get himself a spot as a guy who's just a, a big old meatball that just wants to get out there and hurt people. Come on, Forrest, make a run at it. Huh? But I mean, it's going to be so tough to make it as an end of the roster blue. guy when you don't get as much out of the defensive line from special teams, right? So you can't really differentiate right. yourself in that way as much. But it's great to have that competition there and hopefully it leads to a much better unit. But that's just day one. There are many more days of training camp coming up, and David Drogemeyer will be there tomorrow. I'm going to try to be there on Monday, and we're going to try to get to as many of these practices as we can to keep bringing you all the latest updates. But we'll definitely have more updates for you tomorrow with David Drogemeyer going up to Costa Mesa again, hopefully seeing you guys out by there. But to make sure you don't miss it, go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button or go follow the show 
on any podcast platform, wherever you get your podcast from, you can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. You can also find the show any day on our social me- social media. You can find us on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page, at Locked On Chargers on Instagram, and also at Locked On LAC on Twitter. You can find David Drogemeyer's Twitter at DrotalkSD. You're definitely going to want to follow that going into tomorrow so you can get all of his latest updates live from training camp. You can follow me at Dan Talk Sports. But no female Friday tomorrow. We're going to keep it training camp, and we're going to keep going with that and get all of the juice from David on what happens tomorrow. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.